Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Hey, 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 it's me, Dr. Cheryl Bryant-Bruce, MD, the Celebrity Doc, and you are here with us on Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. I'm here with my co-host, Hisham Elamati, Hurricane H, and our show is here to educate, inform, and entertain you. This is kind of a, a unique show in that this is a show that we are dedicating to a very special person in my life, um, my personal assistant who has been with me since 2005, DeWilda Brown passed away on Wednesday of this week. So this show is dedicated to her, to her memory, an absolutely amazing woman. And we send her off with much love. And on a happier note, today is my birthday. And I am just 21 with a few years of experience. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And here on the bottom of the screen, we have a face that you may recognize. This is Dr. Miami. Welcome, Dr. Miami. Cheryl, thank you for having me. Thank you, Hurricane, for having me. I'm excited to talk about plastic surgery. Yay, absolutely. We're excited to have you here. Why don't we start out by you giving us a little bit of your background? So uh, I'm originally from New York, but I've been here in Miami uh, since 1996. Uh, my wife and I met in college in Brooklyn when we were 18 years old, and uh, now we're in our 50s, so it's been a while. Uh, I went to medical school in St. Louis, Missouri. She went to uh, graduate school at University of Missouri, St. Louis, and after that, uh, we had a difference of opinion. I wanted to uh, train in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, she said we should go to Miami. Uh, lucky for her. I matched in Miami and uh, never looked back because Dr. Birmingham wouldn't have the same cachet necessarily as Dr. Miami has. Um, but we've been here since You're lucky to have gotten Miami. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky to have gotten her and lucky to have gotten Miami. So yes. I've been here since then and I do cosmetic surgery, uh, mainly uh, mommy makeovers. Um, you know, 95% of my patient base is women between the ages of 18 and 50. Okay, so let's talk about that. What exactly is a mommy makeover? What does that entail? So a mommy makeover uh, is just a general term to describe any surgery or any cosmetic surgery that undoes the quote unquote ravages of childbirth. Okay, so as you know, most, and there's like six or seven different combinations of, 
potential mommy makeovers, almost all of them begin though with the tummy tuck because when the uterus expands and the baby starts to grow, the muscles of the abdominal wall separate and you can do as many sit-ups and crunches as you want and make them nice and strong. But if there's that separation between them, that weak area, then your abdominal contents push out. And no matter what you do, you'll have a little mommy pouch, especially and when this you separation, exercise. Yeah. This separation is different than the, the prune belly that we all get when yes. we deliver it's, the baby. It's, it's different. It's different. It, it's, it, I mean, it's, so there's, there, there's the fat that, you know, kind of sits there on, externally on the outside that you gain during pregnancy. And then there's the actual weakness of the muscle wall itself. We call it a diastasis, this, this separation mm -hmm. of the muscles. And normally your abdominal muscles are strongly held together by fascia, by this, uh, you know, proteinish material that brings them together. So when you sit up and down, it doesn't, your abdominal contents stay behind it and flat. But once that's recept, there's a separation, there's just like this weak, almost gossamer thin layer of tissue. And it's easy for the abdominal wall to push out and make it bow out. And that only, the only way to connect that is to correct that is to lift up the skin and sew the muscles together nice and tight, bring them back together. So that's usually the first step of a mommy makeover is the tummy tuck. And all these operations I'm going to talk about can be combined or done in stages. But the tummy tuck, essentially, it's an incision low in the bikini line from hip to hip. The skin is lifted up, the muscles are sewn together, and then all the skin, the stretch mark skin, the fat, everything from the belly button down gets removed. And then the belly button mm -hmm. gets brought out through a new hole in the center. It's your old belly button brought through a new oh, hole. Wow. Yeah. And then we liposuction the sides to bring in the waist. Now, uh -huh. the second most common component of a mommy makeover is a breast lift or a breast implants because when you're during pregnancy milk whether you breastfeed or not milk comes into the breast tissue and expands the breast and then after the baby's born or either if you breastfeed obviously the breasts stay big for a while longer but once you stop breastfeeding the milk goes away and the breasts deflate and usually there's left with extra skin the areolas point downwards everything kind of falls down now if you're lucky all you need is implants to reinflate that uh, that skin envelope but sometimes the nipples have fallen too low, the breast, there's too much skin, it's sagging. So you need a lift, and sometimes you need a lift with an implant. And that operation can be combined with the tummy tuck. And that's the, that's the most traditional classic mommy makeover, the tummy tuck with the breast lift with implants. Now you can also add Brazilian butt lifting, which is taking fat from the areas of the body you don't want to, you don't want them, and, and, and put it into the place you do want it, which is the butt. And what happens during pregnancy is the butt expands, uh, the tissues get more, uh, you know, they, they lose elasticity, they sag down. What was on the top of the butt is now on the bottom. And so you reinflate the butt by moving the fat from those areas. Uh, you don't want it to the area you do. Now, it, the butt lift is somewhat of a misnomer because we're not actually lifting the butt like we do with the breast. We actually cut out skin and lift. It's more of a reinflation, like a balloon that's been deflated, and then you blow it up and it gets nice and tight and round. And that's what the butt lift is. And of course, you can also add arm liposuction or arm lifts, thigh liposuction, thigh lifts into all combinations. And if you even want to do what we call a new body who dis, it's everything. It's a lower body lift, Brazilian butt lift, uh, tummy tuck, breast lift with implants, arm lift, thigh lift. It takes about six hours and you walk out with basically a whole new body. And nobody recognizes you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, your face is the same. <laughs> You know, they recognize you. They're just like, wow, 
that vacation did you really good. You know, yeah. Now, you know, that, that's an interesting question, though. Um, if you have all of this work on your body, you do this mommy makeover, and, you know, now you're like, ba bam, 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 you have a banging body, we get fat in our faces, too. So, does that yeah. then require you to have to go and get face work done to match this body? Sometimes, yes, and sometimes, no. It depends on the person. Depends on the person. Uh, you know, at some point, uh, at some point after a, a certain age, you have to, you can, you have to make sure that everything matches <laughs> Right in the early years, you know, in your, in your twenties and thirties, no matter what you do to your body, the face kind of fits. But as we get older, you know, things, things sag down here, you tighten everything in the bottom and you leave everything on the top kind of showing his age. It, it, there's a little bit of a mismatch there. So, yeah, um, I don't right. do face lifting, but it is something to consider in, in, in your forties and fifties. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. All right. So when can someone get a, a mommy maker over? Because I mean, clearly immediately after you have a ba baby, no, everything's I mean, gone south, stretched yeah, out, you know, you got prune yeah. belly and all of that. So I, first and foremost, I like to wait till there's no milk coming out of the breast. That's a good rule of thumb. So okay. for some people it's three months, for some people it's six months. If you're breastfeeding, I would wait you know, assuming you want to do something to the breast, if you just want to do something with the tummy or the butt, you don't have the breasts are kind of not part of it. It doesn't really matter. But in general, you want to wait at least three months after giving birth before you do it. I'm not a big fan. There was a trend in the nineties of celebrities that would deliver via six C-section or, um, you know, they have their baby and then immediately do a tummy tuck at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's not a smart idea. I don't like to, I don't think you should ever combine any plastic surgery with um, any internal, any operation that involves internal organs. Okay. And the people, you, people did it a lot more often, I think in the nineties when I first went into practice. And now it, it, I think it's a, a generally considered unwise because when, you, as you know, when you go internal into the you know abdominal cavity, there's a lot more things that can go wrong. Right. And, a lot more serious things that can go wrong. And if you do something on the outside, you do a tummy tuck, you do liposuction, it's very hard for the surgeons to follow the progress of the patient if something goes wrong internally. Because when you do liposuction or a tummy tuck, your tummy hurts. Right. But if you do, let's say, a hernia repair or a colon resection or a, or a hysterectomy or a C-section, and there's something wrong internally, you've nicked an artery you shouldn't have or you or somebody, uh, you know, got an enterotomy, went into the bowels or something, they're going to have abdominal pain, but they're expected to have abdominal pain anyway from the right. tummy tuck. And you're not going to know, and that could delay, uh, you know, treatment. So, yeah, that's my take on combining those two. So you definitely want to wait a couple of months, at least three months after giving birth before you consider having a mommy makeover, in my opinion. Right. Now, we see a lot of shows out there like, like Botched, where do people get into trouble with plastic surgery? <laughs> so there, I mean, look, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of ways to get into trouble. <laughs> it, it's like driving, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's like driving, you know, is driving safe. Is it? Yeah. If the person driving is sober and knows what they're doing and is careful and everything else, <laughs> it's perfectly safe, but you wouldn't get behind the wheel or you wouldn't go into a car with somebody drunk behind the wheel or doesn't know where they're going or, you know, is distracted playing on their phone or something. So that's how I would, you know, 
categorize all of surgery in general. The mm -hmm. risks are very dependent on the person who's doing it. Now, right. there's two categories of botched, right? There's botched where the surgeon clearly made a mistake. He should have zigged and instead, instead he zagged. Okay. That's the, I'll call those the true botched, botches. Then there's the, what we just call unfavorable results where the surgeon did everything right. And the patient maybe did everything right, but things did not go the way they were, they usually go. Mm -hmm. There was an infection. There was a, you know, I remember, I remember a woman who I did a, a nose job on in uh, 2003 and she was leaving the, the hotel and uh, you know, the, she was trying to put her bags into the trunk of the car and the cab driver was trying to help her and they were fighting a little bit and he elbowed her right in the nose, broke her oh. nose. I mean, a week oh. after plastic surgery. Oh. <laughs> Had to go back to surgery, fix it. Things happen, okay? Now, does that, is that botched? No, it's not botched. It, but obviously it doesn't look the way she, it wouldn't look the way she wanted it to look because it, you know, it's been broken twice. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there are those things that happen and, and those are unfavorable results. And it's hard to tell sometimes which is which without knowing the whole story. You know, right. Uh, and knowing, so, um, obviously every patient has to be their own best advocate post-op. They have to follow all the doctor's instructions. They have to take care of themselves. Liposuction is not a miracle. Neither is a tummy tuck. It doesn't mean you can never gain weight again. You know, a lot of patients, you let's, know, let, let, five let's years talk later, about that a little bit. Yeah, five years yes. later, patients are like, I thought I would never get fat. How could, who, who told, what made you think you'd never get fat again? I mean, if you eat, the fat's going to go somewhere. The calories go somewhere. Right, right. And I want to talk about that because I had a friend who, you know, she got her tummy tuck. The tummy was beautiful and she didn't modify the lifestyle appropriately. And yeah. she developed big wings because, yes, you know, she yes. didn't have the fat cells in the, yes. in the tummy, but it has to go someplace, that, right? That, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, you know, what, what people need to know is that the number of fat cells in your body is more or less fixed by the time you're four or five years old. Your body doesn't generally make new fat cells. It just mm -hmm. kind of uses the old one to store fat, the old ones to store fat. Now each fat cell, although it's microscopic to start off with, can store enormous amounts of fat to the point where very obese patients, their fat cells are visible with a naked eye without, you know, without a microscope. They're that, those cells can grow that big. Right. So let's say you have in your stomach, you might have four or 5 million fat cells in your abdomen and your flanks. With liposuction, we don't re remove all the fat cells. It's impossible. At most, we can remove maybe 50%, which is significant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now that you have 50% less fat cells in your tummy and your sides, when you eat, when you eat and you, those calories you know, get broken down into fat in your bloodstream, that fat's going to be absorbed you know, sort of proportionally through all your, through all your fat cells. So if you have more fat cells, you know, proportionally speaking, left in your arms and your back or your face or your fingers, that's where it's going to go. And I've had patients that have had liposuction, you know, years ago in everywhere, abdomen, planks, back, chin, and an event, and they get fat in weird places, their shoulders, yeah. their earlobes, their face, because, you know, the fat gets what it wants. It's going to go mm -hmm. somewhere. There's no, there's no way around that. So every plastic surgeon, 
then every plastic surgery patient should know that lifestyle changes and maintenance are critical, critical to maintaining a result. You're spending all this money, all this time, all this pain. You need to know that. And you need to make, it, it's a team effort. The surgeon just does their part and the patient has to do their, their part as well. Now let's talk about some of that maintenance because people go and they get this plastic surgery and you know, they have this beautiful, youthful looking body, but time marches on. And so there's the aging process. Gravity too. <laughs> exactly. Unless, unless you so, sleep upside down like a bat, which, you know, would be great, but we don't. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, gravity <laughs> and time and age, it marches on and, yeah, and uh, you know, People, I mean, I, I think people with common sense understand that, but you need to know that um, plastic surgery is, is it's not a one and done for most people. It requires maintenance from yourself. And then also most commonly maintenance from the surgeon, maybe 10 or 15 years later. And okay. one of the secrets of Hollywood stars is that they they nip and tuck and they tuck and they tuck and they tuck. They go back every two or three years to maintain. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, sometimes to an extreme degree. I think Madonna is an example of like, you know, oh, maybe yeah. one tuck too far, but oh, you know, yeah. but it worked pretty well. You know, through her fifties and for 60s. a long time, long time, it, long worked, time. It, worked, it worked really well. But that's the secret. It's not. It's not that she did a facelift in her forties. One facelift. She did one in her forties and one at forty five and then fifty and fifty five. You know, and by the way, I don't, I'm not her doctor, so I can't. I'm just and surmising. After people, uh, after people have had a lot of refreshes and nips and tucks, a lot of people start to get this cat-like appearance. Yeah. And then there's Martha Stewart. How the heck is that yeah. happening? Yeah, I don't. And 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 Jane Fonda. I don't know. Yeah, just, yeah. Well, Jane Fonda looks really good. I saw her a few years back, no, and she, she looked really good. But I mean, great. Martha Stewart is is ancient. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't she know. Looks I, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm not going to say she drinks the blood of children, but you know, it's possible. No, no. I, I listen. They, I, they. Everyone has their secrets. You know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's just good plastic surgery and it, it, that's maintained appropriately. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, it, it, like I said before, it, it, and, it, and it, it, I don't think this is something everybody should do, <laughs> but if your right. job involves being in the public eye, if you're an actress, if you're on TV, if, the, if, if you're, if your livelihood depends on looking a certain way, I can, I think it makes sense. I think for the average person to go back for a little nip and a little tuck every two years, I'm not sure the risks and benefits are in their favor necessarily, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's not inexpensive either no, uh, for no. the average person to, to, to do this. I mean, you know, if, if your job yeah. is uh, dependent on you having a certain look, then right. it's worth that investment. And chances right. are you're in a job that's going to pay you well for having that look. Right. right. And, the and, average and, person and isn't you, that. The average person isn't that. And I think as you get older, it gets riskier. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that people need to understand, you know, for example, the operations that I do, the mommy makeovers that I do are extremely, uh, extremely taxing on the body, on the cardiovascular mm -hmm. system. There's fluid mm -hmm. shifts on the kidney. Every, I mean, I don't do mommy makeovers in my practice on people over the age of 50. I just don't 
Uh, that okay, you, say you, that again for the back of the room. Yeah, so I uh, don't do mommy makeovers on people over the age of 50 because mm -hmm. in my experience, the, the operations themselves are just too taxing on the body. Now, that's not to say that other surgeons won't do it or that it can't be done. Of course it can be done. But after 50, there's many people with occult cardiac disease that they don't know. But we, we all know people out of the blue in their 50s. They have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. They look like they're in great shape. Pre-op uh, pre EKG wouldn't pick up on it. You're not going to get echoes and, and, uh, and angiograms on every person you're going to operate on pre-op. And again, knowing that this is like the ultimate stress test, I don't do those operations on patients over 50. Yeah, you can do it. I, I, and I think other operations are fine. You know, eyelids, facelifts, rhinoplasties. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Things that are um, things that are um, uh, things that are uh, not uh, not as uh, intense, I think, are fine. Mm -hmm. You can do facelifts in your 90s, assuming you're healthy. You know, sometimes okay. those operations are done awake under local anesthesia. You oh, know? OK, those are not bad. Very, very little blood loss. But when you're talking a tummy tuck, you're talking a Brazilian butt lift or even a breast lift. Uh, the blood loss is significant. The uh, operations take hours. It's general anesthesia. Mm -hmm. We need to be careful. It's not worth. It's not worth losing your life for. Right, and I mean, you know, we we know of some people who yeah. have lost yeah. their lives. I mean, I remember uh, um, yeah. a number of years back, Kanye West's yeah. mother that yeah. was yeah. all in the news. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 you know, her, her story is a, a good lesson for all of us because she wanted the surgery so bad, and and many plastic surgeons turned her away because of her of her pre-existing conditions and you know mm -hmm. doctors wouldn't clear her i mean if you want to bad enough you'll find some surgeon somewhere that will do it yes you have to be your own um best advocate and you have to really understand the risks of surgery you know right it's really for healthy young people you know the, those kinds of surgeries the big surgeries we're talking about right now even with a um a healthy young person mm -hmm. There's sure. a risk. And let's talk about the risk of people going for these, um, what do they call them? Um, tourism vacations, you know, a lot yeah, of people well, go down to Mexico to get this work yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Talk about the risk of that. So there's, there's two risks. The, the, the first risk is the risk of travel. So you're go, if you go to a foreign country yeah. and we all we saw that tragic case last week of the, of the, yes. of the young lady that went down to Mexico and just took a wrong turn, you know, and all yes. of that could happen anywhere. It happens more frequently in, in, in countries that are less, you know, less well policed, let's say. And, and the other thing is you don't know the language. If you go to a country where you don't know the language and, and something goes wrong, you know, how you're going to interact with the hospital staff or the emergency services and things like that. So um, those are things people don't consider until it's too late. Now there are great surgeons in every country. There are great surgeons, mm -hmm. in Mexico, great surgeons in the DR, great surgeons in Brazil and Venezuela, Colombia, Turkey. Okay. However, how are you going to know who the great surgeons are in those other countries? If you don't speak the language, if you don't live there, if you don't have the way to vet them, other than right. just one page on a website, you know? Right. Right. So, uh, you know, so those are the things that people don't consider. Okay. It, however, I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you are from that country and you can properly 
uh, vet and research the surgeon, let's say in the DR or Colombia or Mexico, and you have family there, you know what, what's going on, they can be there for you or you speak the language. I think it's fine to travel. If it's a better deal, why not? But for most people, when they travel, they go in with very little information. And many, many women have lost their lives, dozens, yeah. dozens yeah. in the DR, in Mexico, in other countries, in Turkey. Um, you know, I mean, it, it can happen in America, it can happen anywhere, but if it happens someplace else and, and you're out of the country, you're, you know, a small problem can become a big problem very quickly. Right. And I think one of the, the big things that people really need to do, um, I mean, you used to do it anyway. Like you said, there's a vetting process. But if you're going to have a surgery in another country, part of that vetting process should be getting a thorough look at the facility. Ask to yes. see the yes. operating rooms. Ask yes. to see the recovery areas. Ask to see yes. the, the, the room that you're going to be staying in. Because while the waiting room might be pristine and, and lovely... <laughs> The back might not be so much, and that, you're not going to know where the rubber, That's where the rubber meets the road. It's in the operating room and in the recovery. Exactly. The other thing, people people do not pay enough attention to the recovery process and what mm -hmm. happens from when the moment you leave the operating room to the moment you head back home. And um, that, a lot of times, is where things go sideways, whether it's in the recovery room, getting a too much uh, pain medication and, and stopping, you know, God forbid, stopping uh, your respiratory centers. You don't right. want to stop breathing and no one's paying attention. Right. And that happens yeah. often because I used Obviously. to work at Foundation Surgical Hospital as the emergency room doctor. I was a concierge uh, physician there. And so I would be on for like 10 days at a, at a time. And I pretty much every night on a regular basis, I would get awakened. Yeah. Because somebody had had a little bit too much anesthesia and yeah. they came back from recovery. They thought they were looking pretty good. And now we're doing a, a respiratory code on yes. them. And I yep. think it's probably yep. safe to say yep. that most of the losses that yep. occur from surgeries actually occur from the post-op experience as yep. opposed to the actual yep. surgery itself. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I agree. At, le at least half. At least half happened in that perioperative period. You know, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just a question of having too many patients for too few nurses or, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or sometimes uh, surgeons or the staff is being rushed. You know, a lot of if you if you're in a, in a busy hospital or a busy surgery center, they're turning over the room. They're not paying attention, trying to get the next case going. And then it, it only takes two or three minutes of not breathing for your sats to drop and for you to get into serious, serious respiratory trouble. So that is key. My practice is 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 very boutiqueish. I have one operating room, one recovery room, one to one nursing, one to one surgeons. You know, it's right. not a factory. And right, my patients, and this is not a, an ad for my practice. I'm just telling you how I do it. My patients go directly, you know, from the recovery room once they're stable, transported to a hotel where all my patients stay on the same floor. I have nurses there 24 seven to watch them. Right. Most plastic surgeons, whether in the U.S. or other places, they'll send patients home mm -hmm. and then if their family member is not a nurse they they kind of become a nurse you know that first day or two and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, i don't think that's ideal um so how long do you recover them at the hotel uh, so it depends on for, if for a typical mommy makeover i have them stay a whole week a whole week where i can watch them visit them there uh, right you know, make sure they're okay etc and uh and they a lot of patients come alone 
they leave their, it's great because they leave their kids and their husband has to deal with the kids and they just kind of relax. And I've right. got ladies there to massage them and bathe them and baby oh, them, nice. ultrasound them, whatever they need. So that's- I don't even need a mommy McGilver and I want to come. <laughs> it's a nice excuse to get away, you know, and it's, and yeah. it's in Miami, it's right on the water. It's just, it's a real nice neighborhood. So that's, that's how I think, and, and there are other surgeons that do similar things, you know, but I think when you go to another country, and I mean, I've heard horror stories. We all heard, I've heard horror stories where patients, you know, they'll, they'll have to find their own Airbnb someplace to stay. Yeah. You know, who knows how clean it is or what's going No one's going to watch them there. Right. Some place, right. some countries require you hospitals or they require you to buy your own medications. Like you go across the street to the drugstore, buy the bags of, uh, and then bring them to the, to the clinic. I mean, it's a completely different setup than we have here in the States and many other countries. So be careful. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now so, let's talk about so, so, surgeries so that have that gone, surgeries that have gone wrong and the, as somebody comes to you and you're not the original surgeon, right? do you do those repairs and why or why not? So I do some, I do sometimes it depends on the case. So mm -hmm. if, if it's, uh, it's not my specialty. There are surgeons that specialize, you know, like the botch doctors. There are surgeons that specialize in correcting mm -hmm. surgery that went wrong, whether mm -hmm. it was botched or, like I said, unfavorable result, not botched, but just didn't come out the way they wanted it to. And those surgeons get very good at fixing the same kinds of problems day in, day out. I don't do that day in, day out, but occasionally I'll see something that's interesting to me, you know, that's unusual enough that I, if I think I can help them, I'll take it on as a challenge. But in general, it's not my bread and butter, so to speak. It's not something I do every single right. day. Hurricane? You had a question. Yeah, yeah so sorry. I, I'm listening to you guys, doctors. And uh, yeah, you were, you, no, no worries. You were talking about all the different procedures and also the, yeah. the risk and everything. But but yeah. I'm in the, on the insurance space, so obviously we're the payers, and I know it's not really <laughs> covered under you know the insurance world. Oh. But the idea is that <laughs> for obvious reasons, right? But yeah. we, although we, in Brazil, in Brazil, don't, Brazil don't they do have, the extra, have free they plastic surgery in Brazil. Minute. They have free plastic surgery in Brazil. Oh, yeah. Inter yeah. So you can go to oh, Brazil no, to get your BBL? The, no, 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 no. You the, have to be Brazilian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying their, insur their insurance system, uh, right. their system does cover some types of plastic surgery. It's, uh, you know, like why, sh why, should the, why shouldn't the poor be as beautiful as the rich is the, is the philosophy down there. So Now, is there love that here. time right, listen, that you do uh, accept plastic uh, insurance? No, no. I, don't, I don't accept any insurance. No. And Hurricane, because you're on the other end of things, um, is there a time that insurances will cover plastic surgery? If medical is necessary only. So if there is a uh, something that's happening where you then, and we've had cases and case by case where it proved to do a procedure that may have some cosmetic as to it, but it's to rectify a medical condition. Um, and, and we've had, you know, for, for breast, you know, uh, surgery that happened. We've had some cases with the body and other parts. Accidents do happen also, and sometimes you need to repair, like that, Start case by case. And again, it depends on the insurance. It depends what program. And it's not, you know, I 
just want it and pre-aughts and all the stuff as else. And again, the potter that's going to do it. I mean, as you talk, you, you know, you don't do it yourself, but in some hospitals, they would do it as the process. Uh, but, but but the call is, in general, uh, what's the inhibitor factor in general in terms of access. And I think that's one of the problems where people do choose, for example, in the U.S., it's more expensive, let's say, than in Mexico or in Central America. Right. Mm -hmm. And people to go the cheaper route, and then the results are not as ideal. I mean, right. And unfortunately, now, I, I can't speak to the cost of it. I mean, obviously, it was more expensive in the onset of it, I think, in the 90s, just like, you know, for yeah. the elite or you want whatever you call it but then now it's more accessible but what yeah. would be that for people just to to comparison people think well i'm gonna be better off going to turkey but then you still have to fly you still have to do this and then the other when you add it up does yeah, it even right. is it worth it and the risk you take right right so it so again it depends on the person but like for example um, you know, Miami hands down has the best prices in the country for plastic surgery. Like it, it can be sometimes a third of the cost in New of what they charge in New York for the same operations by better surgeons. So as a travel destination for plastic surgery, to Miami. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing. And all the New York surgeons just got managed. <laughs> it, but it's true. I mean, they, they, that's just, that's just the truth. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, and same thing with LA. I mean, the surgeons in LA charge what would be considered exorbitant prices mm -hmm. for the same work with, you know, I, I, the quality, you know, I don't know. You'd have to go on a case by case basis, but the prices are right. much more expensive in California and New York. Mm -hmm. Texas is somewhere in between. Um, mm -hmm. But even the prices in Miami, they can sometimes be half the price in the DR or Turkey. Right. So, um, yes, there's airfare involved and there's added risks and everything else. But if that's all the money you have and you're, you really want it, it's your, it's your only option. I would caution against that. I would say better to save or finance and do it safer and, uh, you know, be less risky with, with your life. But you know, that's not how everybody, how everybody thinks, you know, like I, I, I don't ride motorcycles, but a lot of people do, you know, and it's just a question of your own risk benefit tolerance. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Hurricane, again, a question for, for you. We're talking about insurance covering um, mm. these types of procedures. Say, for example, a woman has a mastectomy and we're talking about a breast reconstruct after a breast cancer. Are those typically covered by insurance? Uh, yeah. Probably gonna say no. <laughs> um, okay. I have not seen one that's been, uh, you know, that that's been covered at least in my world because I'm not in the commercial space in the government program, which basically they cover the minimum if you want to call it that way. Uh, it's not really extra. I mean, you policy have the additional pieces and override and everything, and you get extra stuff. But not in the world that I'm in. It's wow. it's really the Medicare and the Medicaid space and managed care. It's very restrictive. And again, it's audience that the seniors, they're not going to do like, like that for, uh, I guess, on the cosmetic you know, aspect of it. So I haven't seen any, but I've seen, you know, uh, cases of younger folks, you know, uh, for after pregnancies and so on, or some intervention that needed some, uh, you know, uh, access. 
and so that I was done. I've seen accidents where that was authorized to actually fix, you know, facial, you know, pieces of parts and, and even some body parts. But those are like, you know, again, case by case, authorization only. We have medical staff that's usually in on on any of the companies or the HMOs or, or any insurance company. And those are the ones that determine those cases. And if it, it has merit, I mean, again, it doesn't hurt to to find out. That's the other thing. People don't do right. that. They just think it's not covered. You don't if your primary doctor knows that this is gonna help can document enough reason why you need this, it could be acceptable and it could be approved. But but many people don't. And you can also appeal a case if you're not sure and you think that it's you know it's a mandatory or must. So these are all questions that are still remaining. Again, insurance is always kind of weird when it comes to those things, cost. And so it has to be well justified and has to be within their norms and, and whether it also varies on the staff. You might get a doctor that is on the medical staff that will believe that in, we want this to be healthy because it's going to be more efficacious in the long term. And for this surgery, we're going to prevent all the bad stuff to happen longer, which costs longer you know, term. Right. So that could be also an aspect of it. But again, um, a medical doctor from an insurance perspective, you know, will probably give more details on that. But but from from our you know world, typically that's uh, maybe a one percent or or a very small uh, minute percentage. And I think that it's important for people to understand that even if uh, insurance will cover a surgery, most plastic surgeons do not take insurance. insurance so you yeah. may have to pay out of pocket and be reimbursed for right. that that right. surgery it you know you might as well just kind of expect that a plastic surgeon is not going to to take your insurance now one of the questions that i'm sure a lot of people have is when we're talking about getting these surgeries talking about scarring how uh Frequently, do you do these surgeries laparoscopically so that the scars are minimal? So I, I don't do any laparoscopic surgery because almost, I mean, almost all the surgeries that I do are not uh, appropriate for, laparoscopy is not appropriate for it. So for example, if I'm cutting out a, a giant skin flap from someone's tummy, either from weight loss or pregnancy, the only way to right. do it is to cut it out. There's no way to, to do that laparoscopically. Now, the liposuction is done through tiny incisions like the size of a staple. So those incisions are mm -hmm. essentially smaller even than laparoscopic instrument incisions. They're really, really small. Um, but a breast lift, I mean, you need to, you know, you need to move the nipple up. You have to make incisions around the areola, down the middle, underneath. There are significant scars. Now, everybody heals differently. Mm -hmm. And even the same person, one side or one part of the scar could heal better than another part of the scar. Right. So and before you consider any plastic surgery, you need to look at before and after pictures of exactly where the scars are going to go. You need mm -hmm. to, you need to be prepared for those, you know, again, with the exception mm -hmm. of liposuction, cause those are tiny, but if you're doing, considering a breast lift, considering a tummy tuck, a lower body lift, an arm lift, a thigh lift, you need to look at the scars. You need to look at your own scarring history. You know, if you keloid, if when you pierced your ear, you had a keloid scar, it's probably not a good idea to do a breast lift because if you keloid there, mm -hmm. You're not going to be so happy. Um, right. But, uh, you know, with that said, after the surgery, starting at about a month after the surgery, there's a scar treatment regimen that I recommend to patients. It usually involves silicone tape and some mm -hmm. scar creams. You put them on every day. Scars tend to stay flat, tend to lighten with time. And they fade mm -hmm. with time, but they never disappear. Once a scar right. is on your body, it's there forever. Right. 
Right. And I know that a lot of people come in and ask about scar revisions. Yes. How do you feel about a scar revision? If they if they've had a scar before, is a scar revision likely to be successful? So it's so the, about fifty percent of the people that come in for scar revisions, their scar is as flat and as good as it could possibly be. They, there's no way to erase it. The other fifty percent, the scar is either hypertrophic keloid. It's, it's just it didn't heal well. In those cases, mm -hmm. it's worth it because most of the time you'll get a scar that's better. Okay. And better is better. Even if you can't make it go away, if it's less conspicuous, or you can move it to a place that's easily covered, or you can make it thinner or flatter, it's worth doing. Okay, perfect. Hurricane. Hurricane. Now, I'm, I'm I good. can't see. That's I can't see the feed. Are there any questions coming in from the feed that uh, our guest might want to have answers to? No, there were one. There comment but here it's actually uh, uh about <laughs> about your 21st birthday, <laughs> birthday today. <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much i am going to get myself dressed up and take myself out to a very nice dinner over uh in the the doko area the Enjoy. Uh, golden one arena is over there go kings light the beam we're on a roll <laughs> Enjoy, enjoy. Well, listen, thank Absolutely. you for thank you for having me on the show today. So, I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you for joining us. That was you know that was very interesting and and uh, you know a couple of those questions I've been carrying around for a while now. So I was glad to get them answered, and I'm sure that our audience was uh, happy to to get some of those things answered as well. So if there is one or two takeaway points that yeah. you absolutely want the audience to, to take away from, from this, what would those be? I think the, the first thing I think is uh, safety first. There's no plastic surgery that's worth losing your life over. So right. the most important thing that you should consider before price, before even the quality of the results is the safety of the surgeon and the location you're going to have your surgery. That's the first mm -hmm. thing. Second thing is that plastic surgery is a team sport. That means the patient themselves is the player right. <laughs> and the surgeon is the coach. You have to maintain the results. You have to prep yourself before the surgery. It's take care of the, in the, the, your wounds and your healing process afterwards. You have to maintain the results to be happy. And I'm going to toss one thing in uh, on that taking care of yourself. Uh, the best way to heal from any surgery is to have a good diet so that your body yes. is nutritionally sound yes. enough to have good building blocks. Yes, that's true. You are what you eat. You are what you Absolutely. eat. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Miami... Thank you so much for, for joining us and thank you for making the world more beautiful for all of the, the mommies. Thank you. Uh, because it, you know, definitely it is a self-esteem thing when Always. you can get that body to, to snap back, um, whether it does it naturally, which it doesn't often. When you feel better about your body, when you feel better about your body, when you change the way you see yourself, you can change your whole life. So. Absolutely. So thank you for what you do. And we've enjoyed having you and we hope that you'll come back and see thanks, us again. Thanks, and happy birthday again. Thanks, Hurricane, for having me on. Have a great and blessed Sunday.